Good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome everybody here in campus and those who are joining us from church at home. Uh, glad to be here to be uh, filling in for Pastor Mark this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matthew Cogswell. I'm the next generation pastor here at, uh, at Hope. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to be able to to kind of speak here, uh, to wrap up our 2020 Advent series. Why don't you go ahead and turn to somebody next to you and maybe say something along the lines of, uh, hey, I'm glad we're wrapping up the 2020. I'm glad we're wrapping up 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can hear some collective sighs here, uh, this morning as, uh, myself included, uh, obviously, uh, we don't have to say too, too much about that right now, even though we will be getting into that. But uh, would you go ahead and turn your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 3, um, is where we will be uh, sitting in this morning. And um, again, we are in, we're wrapping up this Advent series. Advent, for those of you guys uh, who don't understand or don't know what Advent really means, it is simply the arrival. It's the, it's the coming of or the ex- expectation of um, a person or a thing. In this case, it is the advent of Jesus, the Son of God. And it's all about remembering the past and also looking forward with expectation. And uh, I think this is a powerful season for, for many of us. And uh, for me this year personally, in my family, it has been uh, even kind of a uh, kind of new layer to it as we... Um, we are expecting another child uh, on the way. Uh, Pastor Mark had made the announcement um, last week, and uh, and it just brings a whole other perspective to this idea of, man, ex- expectation or waiting the arrival of something, right? Um, and so I'm excited about that. We've been looking back at some pictures. Uh, my wife and I have been looking back at some pictures of, of Isabella when she was born, and just over the, she's four years, uh, four years old right now. And uh, it's just crazy how time flies by and uh, looking at um, some of the, the goofy videos and all that, but now looking forward saying, man, what, man, this expectation, we don't even know what the gender is, um, but looking forward to this child coming into our lives. So Advent is about looking back, right? But then also looking forward. It's this idea of having an expectation of, uh, of what is to come by looking back at what has already happened. It's, it's the arrival of the first uh, coming. It's the first coming of Jesus and also this second coming. Week one, Pastor Mark talked about the promise of hope. And uh, week two was the promise of peace. And then last week was this kind of Christmas service that we got to uh, enjoy together. And he um, talked a lot about accommodating. If you have not seen those messages, I encourage you to do so. Uh, just go to our website. It is it's powerful. But as we wrap up the Advent series, we traditionally like to focus now on the second Advent or the second coming of Jesus. It's this already but not yet term that we talk about here uh, at Hope and in many others, uh, many other churches, we talk about this idea that we're in between Jesus's first arrival and his second arrival. Now, this text right here, we're going to be getting into 
And we're not going to be discussing um, all the details of pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all that stuff. It's going to be a little bit different. I, I hate to disappoint you, but what we're going to be focusing in here in this text is more about this promise that essentially whether or not you believe in a uh, rapture or you believe in uh, that this amillennialism uh, perspective that things are just going to kind of, man, it doesn't even matter what's going to happen. It's going to kind of smooth out and, you know, and then Jesus is going to return. Here's the deal. We know from Scripture that the promise is he will return. Second Peter 3, 1 through 15 is a powerful second advent scripture that I would like for us to kind of read together. I'm just going to read through the whole passage together at once. And before we do so, I'm going to pray and then we're going to kind of dig in this. We're going to kind of chop it up. And so let's go ahead and pray before we get into this passage. Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, some of us are many, many of us are weary Many of us have experienced incredible loss. Many of us are dealing with sickness and dealing with pain, God, in this incredibly tumultuous year. And God, we ask that this morning, by the reading of your word, by, by your presence, by your Holy Spirit, that you begin to speak to us, that you begin to remind us of who you have called us to be as your church. I pray that you begin to stir our hearts for what stirs yours, and may you be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, let's get into it. Second Peter chapter 3, 1 through 15 it says this. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing, continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow in his promise, as some account slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth in the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? 
because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to this to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Stir it up. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it's time to get stirred up. Don't, don't, don't hold off on me. I want you to turn to someone next to you and say, it's time to get stirred up. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. I still see people saying, mm-mm. Not going to do it. I'm not stirred up. I'm not getting stirred up. We're doing all that here. It's all good. It's okay. It's all good to get let loose a little bit, right? We're here. Uh, but uh, let me look. I love coffee. I don't know about you, but I like coffee. Who likes coffee in here? Who's coffee lovers? Okay. Okay, that's good. I brought some of my my, my coffee kind of stuff here. I'm showing off for Chobani. I know Sarah's going to say, oh, he's so foo-foo with his creamer and all that. But I like I like good creamer, okay? I'm not going to, I just like good creamer. And for all of those of you who are like, man, I don't drink coffee or whatever, I brought some, you know, hot cocoa. How many of you guys had hot cocoa over the past couple weeks? Enjoyed that. Did anybody say it you? Did somebody say it you in here? Okay, I was going to say, I'm about to... Man, you're not really living unless you have some some hot cocoa, whatever. And, and and there should be coffee in here. This is um this is one of our favorite mugs. This is a gift to us, mug life, uh, given to Sarah. I love it. But um, but listen, you know when we have coffee and we have all types of whatever it is. And in my case, I like coffee with some some creamer. Um, man. There's, there's something we all, we all like to do. We have to do. What is that? When you pour into some creamer into your coffee, what do you do? You stir it up. When you have something that has substance in it or whatever, and it just it kind of gets settled at the bottom, what do you do? You stir it up. And when I think about getting stirred up and the essentials of it, man, it, it, it just, it's pretty simple, man. Things get kind of settled at the bottom. There's some stagnant, there's some kind of aspects of it that, you know, kind of begin to settle. And, you know, I don't know, I'm just going to throw this out there. How many of you guys gotten a drink from, uh, from Wendy's, a strawberry uh, drink, strawberry lemonade, and they give it to you, and what do they not do? You take a big sip of it, it's like a syrup, just, this is nasty. It needs to be stirred up. It needs to be stirred up. Something we all understand, something that's very simple, something that we've all been through or accommodated. We understand what it means to be, to stir things up. And so here's the deal. I don't care who you are, where you're from, everyone needs to be stirred up from time to time. We all need to be stirred up from time to time. Why? Because we can forget stuff, Right? We can let things kind of get stagnant and complacent in our own lives and, and allow the most important things in, in life to kind of settle at the bottom of our daily grinds, whether it's purposely or most of the time, it's just because we're going through life and we get tired, right? The Apostle Peter starts this last chapter of his second letter to the church as a whole with the same intent. He says, man, I'm writing this letter to stir you up. I want to stir things up within this church. So much so that he wrote two letters about the same topic 
and its implications. He says this in verse 1. This is now my second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I think if we look back and reflect on 2020, we can agree that the whole world got stirred up. Amen? Uh, shoot, if we're going to go there, I think we might say we got um, uh, shaken and stirred up, right? It's just this little thing, and it's the, it's the whole world, not just America, but it's the whole world has gotten shaken and stirred. We are stirred up from the coronavirus. We've been stirred up by social unrest. We've been stirred up from politics. I think it's safe to say that we've been stirred up enough, right? We're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the stirring, okay? You can, you can kind of hold off on the stirring. I'm, I'm good, right? And while I very much believe it's important for us to, to reflect on this past year, Instead of just kind of saying, man, I'm just ready to move on. No, I think it's time. There's, there's definitely time to reflect, but that's not what this morning's message is necessarily about. See, I believe this as I've been pre- preparing and praying and reading through this passage. I believe what the Lord is saying to you and I this morning is that we've been stirred up about a lot of different things that have greatly affected our daily lives. But I believe he says it's time for us to be stirred up for for our most sincere mind to remember something that not only will shift 2021, but the years moving forward. He said in verse 2 that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. What was this prediction? That although, is this, that although Jesus came 2,000 years ago as a child, he's coming back again. But this time, he's coming as a conquering king of kings who will, will once and for all restore our broken world. Peter's saying, I want to stir your remembrance up to this. I want you to, to remember what the Holy Prophet says. I want you to, to remember what the apostles have said. I want you to remember what the words of Jesus himself said in, in John chapter 14, 3, where he said that he was going away to prepare a place for us. But when he it is ready, when it's ready, he'll come and take us back to be with him forever. Here, Peter wanted to stir up the church to remember this message both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. You see, the authority of the prophetic writings were something he was wanting to stir their minds into remembrance. He says, I know you've heard it all before. I know you've heard it all before, but I I want to remind you again. It's worth me writing to you again. It's worth me repeating to you. Everybody needs to be stirred up sometimes. Especially... My wife, my wife will remember, uh, remind me all the time. <laughs> you need, you need to remember. You need to remember what I, remember what we said. Remember what we talked about. There's times that we just forget things. And Peter says, "I want for you to remember." He says this about the prophetic writings in Second Peter one nineteen through twenty one. He says, "And we have the prophetic word more fully." 
conformed. It's not on the, the board, but can, to, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. And so the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, we're only a few days from entering into 2021 leaving one of the most challenging and dark days that many of us have experienced in a long, long time. Loss of loved ones, fear, fear and uncertainty that crippled us, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. I think it's only appropriate that we head into this new year with some light, with some vision. Amen? With some, with some focus. And, and here, this light of the scripture should be guiding our way in our hearts and our minds, stirred up for the glory of God. Now, while it's important to understand that the exact time and date of Jesus' return is not told to you and I. It's just not. But we also need to know that his second coming is certain. His second coming is for certain. Peter leads off the next three, four, three, four verses with something that the church can know for certain in these last days. Here's what he says in verse three. He says, knowing for this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Here's what we can know for certain. There's going to be scoffing. There's going to be scoffing. So there you go, right? There's your hope for 2021. There's going to be scoffing, right? What are you looking forward to 2021, Matthew? Well, you know, babies come in, you know, some home projects. Oh, I'm really looking forward to scoffing, you know? No, right? We don't, that's not something we're necessarily want to look forward to. And that, but, but here's the deal. We don't get to to put into the scriptures what he has already been foretold. He already says there will be scoffing. This is above all else that there will be scoffing. What does it mean to scoff? All right, it, means to, it means to mock, to, to ridicule, to belittle. And we've all felt that before, right? We all know what it means and feels like to be scoffed at, kind of be mocked. What does it make us do? It makes us kind of want to shrink back, right? I don't want to be scoffed at. I don't want to be mocked. But here Peter says, above all else, what you are to expect in these last days is that there will be scoffing. There will be mocking. Above all else. Peter is writing to a church in AD 67, approximately 34 years after Christ was crucified. And he's speaking to a people that thought that his return was taking way too long. And I get it. The early church was facing incredible persecution 
and they were suffering and they just wanted out. How many of you have felt like I just want to be, just kind of get out of this? I just want to get, felt like, man, it's just, you're dealing with so much, you're seeing so much happening. I mean, this is, can we just hit pause on this whole like 2020 thing? Can we just like move forward? Can we just like not deal with all that? I mean, after all, when Jesus, when are you coming back? I mean, don't you see what's going on in the world today? I'm not sure if you felt that way before. And this apparent delay has caused some of us to question the same thing for his return. Because here's the thing. Where God puts a period, Satan wants to put a question mark. Where God puts a period, Satan wants to put a question mark. We see this tactic all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say not to eat of every tree, right? The fruit of every tree. Let's face it. There's a clear difference between those who are asking questions with a sincere motivation because they're seeking to know truth. There's nothing wrong with us asking questions and wanting to, to, to be inquisitive. We want to know. We want to understand. That is a good thing. God wants for you to, to simply ask questions. He doesn't want you to sit back idly. He wants you to question. But there's a big difference between wanting to, to know with a sincere motivation the truth and those asking questions only to satisfy their own agenda. Amen? There's a difference. There's a difference between that mocking question, really? Is God really coming back? Do you believe in Santa too? Like what, like, right? Is that kind of same aspect that, that kind of comes about that we've, that we hear It's this asking questions as a means to prove your own agenda, as a means to sow doubt and derision to serve your own sinful lifestyles. Here we are 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. Or later. And we already know that scoffing will increase in these last days more and more as Christ returns. And now while it's easy for this morning for us to think about all you know, all those other people, right? All, all those people, all the, maybe those atheists, all those agnostics, all those people, man, in my, in my job or maybe my school or maybe in my family that just like, that mock this, the, the Christian faith. It's easy to, to talk about that, right? Just as, but you know, just as the false teachers in Peter's day, the, the world is just gonna go on as it has since the beginning, right? It's just gonna go on and on. Just nothing is gonna really change, but here's the thing, I think it's equally important for us as a church to remember that we need to do our own heart checks, the people of God, because it's easy to recognize the mocking from outside, and it's harder to admit that when it comes from our own hearts. Amen? When we begin to kind of mock that idea subtly in our, in our own hearts. You know, remember when the pandemic hit, People were starting to ask, is this the end of the world, man? This is the end of the world. I don't, I don't know. I've had quite many conversations with, with friends, man. They were so open to the things of God. Like, man, this, this has got to be it. This is just, the end of the world is right here, right? 
People were started to be susceptible to the things of God and, and, and home and place forced us to consider what was most important in our lives. And we hated it, right? It struggled. Life as we knew it was on a halt. And we quickly realized that the grand scheme of things, we were not in control. But then what happened? Home and place lifted. Businesses began opening in various places, Right? And now we have a vaccine available. The concern is that people will get in their minds this. You think, well, I just want to get back to normal. And I get that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have to be in the the things that we've experienced and we enjoyed in pre-COVID, right? But it's a whole other thing when we begin to kind of translate that and that begins to seep into our own ideology and our thinking about Christ's return because we think, man, man, everything has gone on as it usually has. Even this pandemic has happened 100 years ago. Everything is going on. It, it's nothing has changed. And so it begins to, you know, this idea of Jesus and the, like coming back, man, that's foolish. That's foolish. And the world as we know it will continue on always as it has. Wrong. Wrong. It's the beginning stages of deism here where, where it rules out divine intervention in the universal order. It's a universe governed by natural laws. Miracles, mockers argue, simply cannot happen. Miracles, supernatural, that, that cannot happen. Therefore, they say Jesus Christ could not come again. And now science, which has been a gift from God to us to mankind, to explore his creation, to point to him now as being lift up as savior itself. Check out this quote from Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK. And this is an interview recently for reporters regarding the vaccine. He says this, and I quote, this could really be the salvation for humanity. Not just this one, but all the vaccines being developed. Now, I get it. Like, I understand the kind of the context there and that is that having a vaccine absolutely is helpful and don't get it twisted. I thank God for doctors and the men and women in the science community, many that are more brilliant than ever I could ever be. And they, they work so hard to develop vaccines over the years. 100% I praise God for them. But what I can stand here before you today with great confidence, is to say this, that no vaccine back then or coming in the future is ever going to cure the disease of sin. Period. No vaccine can touch what is plaguing humanity at its core. No vaccine can ever heal that. I can stand here and tell you that only the great physician can handle that. Only the great physician that is by the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross that, is play, that, that, that begins to work on the plague of humanity, which is called sin, that rots us to the core. It's his blood that, that saves, it redeems, it renews, it transforms Verse 5 says, For they deliberately overlook this fact 
that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water, through water, by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. You see, Peter effectively punctures their objections. He reminds them that the world is not eternal. God acted decisively at creation by bringing the world into existence. Moreover, the cataclysm of the flood demonstrates that God does not sit idly while history progresses. But all that flood stuff, man, all that, man, Noah and the ark, man, you even believe that stuff? Really? What? And so, finally, the apparent delay is what many of us would think is God being slow or the fact that many others are saying he's not coming back. There's, that's just a fairy tale is actually looked at more in this perspective of positive mindset. It's a positive perspective of his slow return because God's perspective does not reckon time as we do. Look at verse 8. It says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as, as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Let me just say this. I am so thankful for God's timing. Amen? I'm thankful for God's timing. His timing is not like my timing and your timing. Because our timing, we get in a rush sometimes, don't we? We want to get things done. Let's go. Hurry it up. Boom, let's go. But we forget that it's his patience that means our salvation. I thank God that when I came to know the Lord 15 years ago, that he didn't come 20 years before that. Amen? Some of you guys need to think of the family members and loved ones and those right now that are far from God as you also say, Lord, come back quickly. Because it's his patience towards you and I, not wishing that we should perish, but all should reach repentance. It's not a fun message. I know this is not a fun message, but it's the truth. It's what we need to hear, guys. It's what we need to be stirred up in. That Some of us, man, we, we need to start stirring a little bit more. <laughs> we need to start waking up a little bit more. God is saying, I am coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. Peter, Peter in this passage, he's saying, I don't want this, this is not supposed to be some sort of prophetic formula for you to say, oh yeah, he's going to be coming back in 2022, 2023. No. Like somehow, you know, that, that a day is just is equal to a thousand years or whatever. Instead, he's communicating this general principle regarding how we see time and how God sees time. When people use this verse as a rigid prophetic key, they can get it wrong. Big time. It cause great error. 
However, Peter accepts that there is, there is some delay. But he says that delay has a positive purpose for you and I. It shows, first of all, that God is patient. This word sometimes rendered as long-suffering or patient is that quality of God which allows him to somewhat be lenient with sinners in the sense that he refrains from punishing them immediately, but instead gives them an opportunity to turn back from their sins and thus escape the punishment that so deserve. Can I tell you, the good news of the gospel is not just that, is that God's going to come and just make my life all pretty and nice. It's the fact that we are sinners far from God, that we sin against a holy and righteous God, and that we are separated for, for, for him, and that nothing can bridge that gap except through Jesus. That's the good news. We deserve punishment. We deserve punishment for our sins. Oh, but I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm a pretty nice girl. Don't get it twisted. Don't look at it comparing it from your righteousness. Compare it to his righteousness, the holiness and the righteousness of God. And if if we do that, we fall short every single time. But praise God, his righteousness and his goodness and his love and his patience towards you and I is always to lead us to repentance in him, to be founded and grounded in his love and his grace and his mercy He's patient with us. His timetable, I am so thankful for. That is not mine. In a culture that revolves around high-speed internet, fast food, Amazon Prime. Don't get me wrong, I like Amazon Prime, right? Fast food, all of these things. But I also want to beg the question, what if faster is not always better? What if faster is not always better? I think of my daughter and the future child on the way and how incredibly fast my little girl is growing up, how thankful I am for those moments. Maybe you can be thinking about the same for those of you who have children. Or just in general, when was the last time that you and I were walking in the peace and joy of God as we were rushing out the door, right? Or we flying on the highway trying to get to our next destination? Faster may not always be better. And then I think of millions of people who are currently barreling into eternity without taking a moment to pause to think about what their lives, what they are created for, how much they are loved. You think about that? Millions of people currently are barreling into eternity, separated from God. Let that sink in. That should that should shift our perspective in 2021. That should that should change the way we view people. That should begin to challenge our mindsets and belief sets of the world that we live in. It should. Peter says. You know it, but do you know it? Have you been stirred up in it? 
Or has that been just settling at the bottom of your life and just saying, the world is just is good. I'm just going to let it go on as it, as it is. There's nothing. There's no point. There's, the world is going to hell in a handbasket anyways. I'm so thankful for God's timing. And it's not mine. Here's this quote. I love this quote. Reflecting on God's timing compared to ours. <clears throat> it's from this, from this guy named Kosuke Koyama, a Japanese theologian of the last century who writes these wise words about God's pace in the world and his reason for that pace. He says this. He says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a supernatural speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speed since it is the speed of love. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, whether we are currently hit by the storm or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed that we walk, and therefore it is the speed the love of God walks. God's timing is so much different than the way we see time. As we conclude, I think we should ask the same question Peter asks. How are we to live in light of the last days in God's promise? How are we to do that? Verse 11 says this. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will, be, will melt as they burn, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Live lives stirred up for his return. Live lives stirred up for his return. See, I think it's easy for us to slip back into complacency, to slip back into the way things kind of normal. We want to kind of get back to the, to the way things are without allowing God to transform our hearts from the inside out and affect our daily lives. I think it's important that we begin stirred up with the expectation that this world that we now currently live in is not it, that there is more to come, that the disappointment that you've experienced and that I've experienced in this past year is not just so that God can sit back there and say, man, look at them, they, they deserve all that, but it's more of a reminder that this disappointment points to something better, that we were not meant for this world alone, that we were created for a place and a dwelling to be with him for all eternity where righteous dwells, a new heaven and a new earth 
It doesn't mean that we say, let's just go ahead and, you know, sit on our hands and pretend that, you know, everything is just kind of wait till Jesus returns and that's it. No. I think that we should begin to live lives with an expectation that should frame how we live with a realization that time is short and that we have important work to do. Be ready to meet Christ anytime, even today, yet plan for your course of service as though he may not return for many years. Live lives stirred up. But Pastor Matt, I want to hear some words of comfort. I want to know right now like that everything is going to be all right with my family, my circumstance. I want to know that everything is just going to be great and everything is going to be smooth over. I can't promise you that. What I can promise is what the word of God is speaking to you and I that gives us proper perspective that as we enter into the year 2021, we're not going at our own pace, but we're going at the pace of grace. That we're going at a different perspective. That we begin to view the things that we are experiencing this life not in a pessimistic Throw your hands up like, hey, this is just, there's no hope. That's not how God wants you and I to live. That's not how he's called us to live. We need to live lives stirred up. I think we can allow our, ourselves to be more stirred up by politics and sports than the imminent return of Jesus. I know Stepping on toes, stepping on my own toes at times. That's why Peter says, I want to stir up my church. They need to know, they need to be on guard. You should be aware of the challenges that are to come. Know that there is going to be scoffers scoffing that your faith will be challenged. But to know right now that the solid rock foundation of Christ's return is what you can build your life on, that you can have your hope rest in, that you can view with hope and expectation as you move into today's, two hours from now, to two, three, 20 years from now, God willing. And above all else, may we be about growth. And this is what I want to end on. Be about growth. This is what Peter ends on. He says, I want you to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. To grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grace is not merely the way that God draws us to him in the beginning. It is also the way that we grow and we stay in our steadfastness. We can never grow apart from the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, and we can never grow out of God's grace. Grow in the grace of Jesus.
the grace that sustains you, that holds you, that when you mess up, when you fail, when you falter, his grace is what keeps you. And we must also grow in our knowledge of Jesus, not just knowing about Jesus, but more importantly, knowing Jesus himself in a personal relationship with him. We're looking for hope. We're looking for answers. The Lord says, be stirred up. What I've already written, what it has been written, be stirred up in what I've called you to be as his son and daughter. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord as we move forward. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for the fact that when I'm when I get it wrong, when I when I fail to meet expectations, Lord, when I am dealing with the pressures of life, Lord, when I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, when I am so caught up in the worries and the cares of this life, Lord, I am so thankful that it is you that continues to remind me by your spirit, by your word, that this world, this life is not my best life. The best life is to come. Lord, may we take hold of the serenity prayer that says, may we be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you in the life to come. Lord, help us, God. Stir our hearts, Lord. Stir our hearts, Jesus, like never before as we move into this new year, God. Stir our hearts, Father, to remember what you have said, to remember the truth, the promises, Father, that anchor our souls. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus of those right now who don't have that promise, who have not yet made that decision to truly trust in you, that have been so consumed with the scoffing and the mocking that they have not even truly considered the reality and the weight of the words that have been spoken in their hearts and you're stirring in their souls. Right now, I pray that those who have not made a commitment to trust you as their Lord and Savior would do so today. Lord, we may not hold back. May we not think that our ways are going to be the best ways. And may we be humble to know that you are the God who is in control, that you are the God who loves us, and who's patient with us, longing for us to come to know you and be in relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for your patience that leads to repentance and your patience, which is my salvation. God, may you be glorified as we grow in the grace and knowledge of your son as we await your soon return. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.